So last week, uh, we started uh, a new series, uh, Hot Topics and Refreshing Truths, and we looked at the truth um, behind abortion. Uh, and yeah, a difficult topic, and Pastor Kevin kind of walked us through that in a very beautiful way. And today, we're going to be looking at uh, the hot topic of racism. And so our text today comes from Colossians 3, verses 11 through 14. Where it says, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and he is in all. And therefore is God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. In the past few years, uh, my husband and I, we've picked up a new sport called pickleball. Uh, Some of you may be familiar with this new phenomenon that is taking over the land. Uh, It's all the rage with the retired crowd. And so Gary and I, we kind of feel like overachievers playing this game in our 40s and our 50s. And during the year, uh, we've had uh, the opportunity to play with a couple. And this couple is, they're quite competitive. So they offer us quite a challenge Uh, And so we can usually win the first game, uh, but then my concentration starts to wane. And by the end of the night, we're doing pretty good if we maybe take one out of five games. So once in a while, you know, Gary will start watching these pickleball training videos. And so he'll try to offer me some helpful tips for my game. And I have to admit that I'm, I'm not always so gracious in receiving his tips. I don't always welcome his new plays in the playbook because, you know, I I know what I know and I'm familiar with that. You know, I like to stick with what I know, right? Well, I find some similarities between my struggles and the text that we read today. Unlike a simple sports game, though, I'm not sure that we can fully appreciate God's new playbook for following him through his son, Jesus. In our passage today, we read in verse 11 that when Christ came, the rules changed. You know, the gospel is now open to all people. There are no longer distinctions between the Jew and the Gentile, the circumcised or the uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and Christ is in all. Now, to fully understand this, we, we need to kind of go back. If you want to understand how groundbreaking this was, uh, we have to go all the way back to the book of Genesis, that first book of the Bible, to the story of Abram, where God says he's going to make him into a great nation. So from early in Genesis and throughout the entire Bible, we read of God's plan to redeem a people to himself through one chosen race the Israelites. So God makes this plan known to Abraham 
And then he uses judges and laws and kings and prophets to continually bring his people back to him. And those laws required circumcision and they required dietary restrictions to help the Jewish people maintain their distinctiveness from the surrounding nations. But then we see in the coming and the death and the rising of Christ, all those rules changed. And the Jews, they must have been completely dumbfounded by all of this. In a nutshell, putting on those new heavenly clothes in Christ requires entering into this new barrier-free zone where the old walls of division, those are completely broken down now. The separation between Jew and Gentile, that no longer exists. And God says to them, no, it's the circumcision of the heart rather than this physical circumcision that needs to take place in this new playbook. And, you know, the first few examples that were given here, yeah, they're quite tame, you know. Um, we have, you know, Jew and Gentile, right? But, but then there are some that must have knocked their socks off, barbarians and Scythians. These non-Greeks, they spoke a crude language and they lived crude lives. You know, Scythians were an extreme type of barbarian. They were known for their savagery and they were known for shocking practices like drinking the blood of their enemies. Really? The new plan needs to include them too? It really must have been too much to drink in. You know, Jewish Christians, they they had a hard time understanding that God wanted them to embrace and include all people. That all people were equal in Christ. And people throughout history have struggled with this change in the playbook within the church and outside the church. A little over two years ago, uh, we took a trip with McBain's high school seniors to Washington, D.C., And for the past, like, three years before that, we had hoped to have the opportunity to visit the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture. That's a mouthful to say. Uh, But in 2019, that hope became a reality. Uh, The lines were finally short, and so we had the opportunity to enter. And as we walked through security, uh, we were instructed that the best place to go first was to visit the main exhibit in the basement. And so here one enters this large elevator and descends another two floors down. And the symbolism of starting so far down into the earth is evident from the moment one steps out of the elevator and enters the world of slaves being placed into the belly of ships with inhumane conditions. Soon after that follows a statue of the great founder of the United States, Thomas Jefferson, the man we quote right over here on the wall, announcing that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yet right behind Jefferson are 630 bricks that you can see there each with a name on them, representing the slaves he owned. It seems like Jefferson struggled with the rules of God's playbook, much less his own playbook. 
A few steps later, one witnesses the awful atrocities of children being torn away from their mothers on the selling block. On the next floor up is the casket of Emmett Till, a young black man from Chicago who was savagely beaten to death for flirting with a white woman in the deep south in the 1950s. I won't continue on. And we are in church, you know, and the stories told there, they are barbaric. They're inhumane. And really, you know, let's face it. I mean, would we say this really rings true today? I mean, do we really still struggle with things like racism? Well, according to Barna Research from this past year, uh, we don't believe we do. We don't really think this is a problem. In September of 2020, they wrote an article entitled, White Christians Have Become Even Less Motivated to Address Racial Injustice. In 2019, they reported that 46% of practicing Christians say the country definitely has a race problem, just behind the 51% of all adults who feel this way. So have the events of this past year changed our perception? Well, yes, they have. As of July 2020, they did a survey, and there is an, actually an increase in the percentage of practicing Christians, those who say their faith is very important in their lives, who say race is not at all a problem in the U.S. That number was 11% in 2019, but now 19% say we don't have a racism problem at all here. Maybe you agree. Uh, maybe you have found the events of this past year somewhat annoying, somewhat frustrating. And really, I mean, do we even struggle with racism here in our little town? I mean, how can we? Michelle Romero, a senior scholar from McBain High School, just gave a speech at graduation over Memorial Day weekend. And she has a story that's probably different than most of us here have experienced in our first 18 years of life. I'd like you to watch just a little clip of her speech. During my time here, I have struggled with my identity. No, I am not an exchange student. I am not Asian, I am not Native American, and I am not illegal. And yes, I speak English fluently. I am a Mexican-American born in Florida in a predominantly white area in Michigan. My parents crossed the border three times to find a better future for their children. No, they are not here to steal your jobs. They are not here to bring in drugs. And yes, they apply for citizenships. In first grade, my father was deported, which happens more often than I would like to admit to families like ours. No, he was not a criminal. His green card was given to him under false pretenses. Due to unfortunate events, my father passed away when I was in fifth grade. The last time I saw him was in a county jail. Though it is harsh, this is the reality most children face in the Hispanic community, which puts the odds against us. With that in mind, I am proud to stand before you all as a part of the 28% of college students that come from immigrant families. With the help of my mother and her endless support, I am working towards making a change in the world and making her proud of her sacrifices. And I'd just like to thank you all for a memorable high school experience. And I cannot wait to see where our lives take us. 
Notice how Michelle, uh, she wrapped that Mexican-American flag, sorry, the Mexican flag around her. You know, her heritage matters to her. Our heritage, it matters to us. You know, we have an American flag here in the front of our church. So I guess that says something about us too. Those stereotypes that Michelle heard, those words she heard were from us and from our kids about her father. Yes, even in innocent old McBain. We struggle with a playbook that says there is now no Hispanic, no African-American, no Dutch or non-Dutch. There's no longer divisions between those who crossed the border to get here and for those whom God chose to place in the United States at birth. No male or female consistory members. No divisions for those who have an overabundance of food in their cupboards or those who come through a food line. But Christ is all and Christ is in all. For us to experience the truth of that statement, Christ is all and Christ is in all, you know, it's not just about us trying harder. It's so much richer and so much greater than that. For God's new covenant people, all the status markers based on our ethnic, our social, our gender, and our class distinctions, those all melt away. And they drown right here. They drown in baptism. Every distinction that people have used to discriminate, that's now gone in Jesus. Scott Jose wrote those words, and you know, I love the imagery of all the divisions drowning right here, drowning in baptism. Isn't that beautiful? Paul is basically saying, you know, get rid of the old playbook. Instead, find a new one and drown it here, drown it in baptism. Paul tells us to look at one another through the lens of baptism and see that every discriminatory difference among people That's gone. Believers are all one. We are all worthy of one another's time, one another's care and love. You know, how we talk to others has a lot to do with how we view them. And Paul told us that in Christ, our outlook must always be one of humility and care and concern. All of those categories listed in verse 11, they are put under the headship of Christ, who is all and is in all. And in Christ, all those old categories, they have no more meaning. We've all sinned. We are all forgiven. We are all saved. All have equal access to the Lord's Supper. All our brothers and sisters, all are one in Christ Jesus. What's the connection to these verses? And then then we see right in verse 13, it says, bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Like, How does that fit in with the rest of this? Maybe it's that when we speak down to someone or we deem them not worthy of hearing the truth, it's because we just don't care for another person. And isn't it true that what lurks behind our not caring is that we see someone as inferior in some way, kind 
of that, she's not worth my time, or his kind of person was probably too dumb to understand what I'm going to say anyway. Let me share this in another way. I love to travel, uh, see new places, explore God's wondrous creation, and of course, the best part of travel, try new foods. So during these past uh, winter months when travel was limited, uh, my husband and I, we traveled vicariously around the world uh, with a guy named Phil Rosenthal in his show called Somebody Feed Phil. So we explored new cities with Phil and we imagined new foods to try and we experienced new cultures and it was a feast for the eyes. And Phil, as you can see in this picture, he has a way with his facial expressions of making you believe that every food he ate was the absolute best food on the planet that his taste buds could experience. But there were also these these beautiful things that Phil did in his episodes. He would invite his camera crew to join him on the set in eating the taste of the land His brother was one of his producers. His wife and kids would join him on various trips. And at the end of every episode, uh, he would Zoom his parents back home. And he would share with them about the adventures of his day. He would show them, you know, new fruits or nuts or delicacies that he had tried. They constantly asked him about his brother, Robert, uh, making sure that Phil took good care of him. And there was just this delightful unity between family and new cultures, people to meet, and the explorations of a new city. And I think this show, it's a great depiction of how Christ created us to live in his creation, right? This whole idea of unity and diversity all mixed together so eloquently, And it's beautiful, you know, when we start out our kids at a young age doing the same thing, right? We let them explore new foods. We take them to new places. We let them explore this grand and glorious creation that God has allowed us to live in. Introduce them to the amazing diverse people right here in our own community even. There was once an exchange student that came to McBain, and and so he desperately wanted to try authentic American food. So the son of his host family says to him, well, you want to try American food? Well, I can show you around the town. Yeah, we got Qdoba, and we got Pizza Hut, and we got House of Hunan, and Olive Garden. Do you see where I'm going here? Like, like the best thing that we have to offer people is probably a hot dog, right? Like, that's the best thing we've come up with here in America. This is actually supposed to be the week that over 20 people from our community, our church community, uh, would be in Guatemala on a mission trip. And that didn't end up happening. But we can only imagine how God might have used this week to help us tear down walls we may have not even known existed within our hearts. As we close today, can I tell you one more thing about that Smithsonian Museum that we visited? As we were exiting, uh, my friend Jill Nevers, she turned to me and she said, you know what was the most amazing thing about that whole experience? All throughout that exhibit, there were stories of hope. Stories of people who rose above and made a difference. Stories about slaves sneaking out at night to hold church services in the woods. 
Stories about the North winning the war because of the African-American population joining the armed forces. Stories about Martin Luther King Jr. and Oprah Winfrey rising above. And then out of the way, on the way out of that museum, the last thing that you see is this larger-than-life picture of the crowd that attended Barack Obama's inauguration with an estimated 1.8 million people in attendance. You know, that day was the answer to hundreds of years of eager expectation, hope-filled prayers that God would one day rewrite the playbook. A day that many never dared to dream would come. And I'm told that if we ever get to go back to this museum again, that all the floors above ground are positive stories of all the continued positive ways that God has used the African-American community to be a blessing. I was talking to a seminary friend of mine about this message, and her words to me were, Kathy, sometimes I believe God will not allow us to experience peace until there's justice. As we read in these verses today, we are God's chosen people, and we are holy and dearly loved, and we are to clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience to all people. That is a very different playbook than what we see being lived out in our world today. And we do this not by being colorblind, but by hearing the stories of Michelle Romero in our community and having our hearts break with her heart for the injustice in her life. The playbook has already been rewritten. It's been rewritten by God in Christ. And all of us have the sheer joy of sharing the playbook with others, of living it and practicing it, making it more and more natural. Kind of like me with that pickleball game. You know, I'd like to share with you that, that I played with my husband's men's group a few weeks ago. Uh, mostly because I was their last resort. But hey, you know, Ross Vries and, and Howard Knapp, they invited me to play, and, and guess what? Like, I kept up with them okay. It wasn't great, but I could keep up. So who knows? Maybe Gary's new playbook has some value to it. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all, and Christ is in all. May we, as the body of Christ, find ways in our day-to-day -day lives to live out God's new playbook, which really has been around for at least 2,000 years. Because let's face it, within these words, the door to Christ opened up for each of us non-Jew believers. So how can we do anything but live, eat, and breathe this new playbook to the world? As we enter into prayer, may we ask the Spirit to refresh our vision of all believers as one in Christ. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day when you rewrote the playbook. You sent your son into the world to do so much more than build an earthly kingdom and overthrow rulers. Your playbook includes us too. 
Please drown the divisions among us in baptism as your covenant people. In your most precious name, amen.